Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. So uh, Saturday, May 6th, King Charles III was coronated in, uh, in England, in Britain. And there have been growing calls for reparations coming from 12 countries that were uh, conquered or countries that were part of the Commonwealth. Many of these are Caribbean uh, nations. Now, you remember back when uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away uh, and she died uh, in September 2022. Okay, I think, I think that was September 8th, 2022. You remember we talked about the legacy of Great Britain and uh, when it came to slavery and colonization and how a um, hundred years ago, one, uh, one fifth of the world's population lived under British rule. Okay, one fifth of the world's population lived under British rule uh, about a hundred years ago uh, at a time when you had uh, 700,000 um, people under British rule and 2.5 billion people in the world. All right, so, uh, there have been a number of articles written dealing with how uh, different nations, Caribbean nations, uh, Jamaica, uh, Antigua, uh, Barbuda, Australia, a number of nations are calling for uh, reparations and calling for an official apology for slavery. OK, so we're going to talk about that on today's show, and I'm going to. Uh, let you hear once again the segment from Roland Martin Unfiltered that we did on September 9th, 2022, when we talked about, uh, uh, in that segment, we talked about Jeff Bezos and um, we talked about uh, the professor from, originally from Nigeria, Uja, uh, Uja Anya, and I gave some history on Queen Elizabeth II and the British colonization. Okay, that video has been viewed over 300,000 times and um, you can watch that on Roland's YouTube channel and, and uh, um, his, his YouTube channel, Roland Martin. All right, now, also uh, in the news, we have uh, Proud Boys who were found guilty in federal court uh, this was this past week. Enrique Tario, the former chairman of the Proud Boys, and three others were found guilty of January 6th seditious conspiracy. January 6th seditious conspiracy. Now, we talked about this when I was on uh, Faraji Muhammad's show, The Culture, on Thursday, May 4th. And I'm going to let you hear uh, an excerpt of that conversation uh, as well. And more people are talking about uh, is Trump next or are charges against Trump imminent? And if you've been paying attention to special counsel Jack Smith and uh, his investigation is continuing to ramp up and I think charges are coming soon for Donald Trump, but also they're going to come uh, faster from Fannie Willis in Georgia, then they're going to come from uh, Jack Smith in 
with the with the federal investigation. Okay, so we'll discuss that also. Now, uh, in our at the top of our second hour, I'm going to uh, get into a conversation that I'm trying to get to the past couple of weeks, and we ran out of time. And April 11th, when I was on uh, Faraji Muhammad Show the Culture. Uh, we discuss spanking children, African-American children, is a holdover from slavery. Spanking children is a holdover from slavery and was not traditionally practiced in West Africa. All right. So I'm going to let you hear uh, that conversation. And we're going to discuss that some also. Now, I know a lot of people will say, well, I'm from the South and, you know, that's what we did, things like this. Well, the reason why. They did that in the South is because prior to 1910, 90% of African-Americans lived in the South and uh, as a result of slavery. Uh, and during slavery, we were beaten and beaten by the slave master and overseers, et cetera. That's a carryover from slavery. Historically, uh, generally speaking, African people did not beat their children. OK, that's something that we picked up here. So we'll discuss that as well. Uh, also, an, uh, uh, an additional development in the California Reparations uh, Task Force, California Reparations Task Force. So um, we've been talking about that here on this show. Uh, you've seen articles I posted. I've been communicating with uh, Camila Moore, who is the attorney, who is the chairwoman of the California Reparations Task Force. Um, I submitted this story to uh, Faraji Muhammad for us to discuss when I was on his show on Thursday. Black Californians could receive up to $1.2 million in reparations payments for qualifying African-American Californians, okay? Um, and this uh, measure was approved by the California Reparations Task Force. Now, it has to be approved by the State Assembly. OK, we're going to discuss that. And also, I want you to see what Fox News uh, is uh, saying about this as well. And the article that Fox News had, because the article that Fox News had is very deceiving and is designed to enrage uh, their viewership, which is largely uh, older white males who are non-college educated. OK. And I mean, you know, some of the same ones that stormed the U.S. Capitol building January 6, 2021, the same ones that watched the white supremacist Tucker Carlson. OK, not all whites, not all white people who watch Fox News or white supremacists, but most white supremacists who have cable watch Fox News. Um, so we'll discuss that also. The state of California is one step closer to paying reparations to African-American residents whose, uh, whose ancestry goes back to the, um, not just the American slave trade, but it's dealing with also after slavery as well, because uh, once again, California comes into the, uh, comes into the union as a free state in 1850 because of the compromise of 1850. There have been identified approximately 1500 African-Americans that were in a semi-slavery state, but that's basically from 1850 to 1865. 15 years, okay? 
or the repairing of the damage that they're largely dealing with and that is explained in the 500 page report is not because of that 15 years It's what happened after that 15 years i've read the 28 page executive summary of the 500 page report i'm now reading the 500 page report everybody should read the california reparations task force okay so we'll discuss this and more on today's show now on the african history network show we focus on educating empowering and inspiring people of african descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct your own behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events and history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Um, visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. You can register for the online history classes that I teach on Saturdays and Sundays, and we did free class sessions uh, this weekend uh, for those also. So visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. To register for those all right so uh i want to jump into uh, this article here uh before we go to break uh th there was a good article from uh newsweek.com newsweek.com dealing with the growing calls for uh reparations uh from great britain okay now it's important to note that the king as well as the queen of england does not get involved in politics. They don't have an authority to, um, that a par parliament takes care of politics, okay, based upon the institution there that they have uh, in, Great, in, in, in Britain. Uh, the king does not get involved, as well as the queen, does not get involved in political issues. They don't get involved in passing legislation. They can't pass legislation or things of this nature, all right? Uh, but when Queen Elizabeth II died, the uh, monarchy was valued, the net worth of the monarchy was valued at $28 billion, and her personal net worth was valued at $500 million, okay? I think she could have written a check to somebody, so I'm just saying. Uh, King Charles III faces calls for slavery reparations from 12 countries. This is from May 4th, 2023 from newsweek.com. Uh, there's articles from the Associated Press on this as well and CBS News. Now, um, King Charles the Third should use his coronation to give a formal apology, to give a formal apology for the horrific impacts of slavery and colonialism and commence, quote, a process of repertory justice, a process of repertory justice, according to campaigners in 12 countries where he is king. Now, world leaders and royal family members will gather at Westminster Abbey Saturday, May 6th to watch uh, King Charles and Queen Camilla be crowned. OK, I ain't watch none of that. I don't care about it. I saw uh, when I got up, it had already happened. They were still talking about it on MSNBC. I saw some of the some of the post coronation analysis. I watched a little bit of that. I could care less about him being coronated. 
all right? However, not everyone will be celebrating the monarchy, which for some remains a symbol of Britain's imperial past. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. All right, the call in number is 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. All right, so right before the break, I, I was talking about um, some articles that I was looking at um, this weekend. And there's one from the uh, Newsweek, uh, Newsweek magazine, newsweek.com. And I posted this article on our Facebook fan page, uh, the African history network, the African history network. And it deals with how uh, you have 12 countries that uh, are under the rulership of um, Britain where uh, uh King Charles is, is, is head of state of these. They're part of the Commonwealth. And they have um, put forth a letter demanding reparations from uh, Britain, as well as uh, demanding a formal apology for slavery. The name of this article, uh, if we go back to this here, uh, the name of this article is uh, King Charles III. King Charles III faces calls for slavery reparations from 12 countries. King Charles III faces calls for slavery reparations from 12 countries. This is written by Jack Royston uh, from May 4th, 2023 for uh, Newsweek.com. So the article goes on to say, however, not everyone will be celebrating the monarchy. However, not everyone will be celebrating the monarchy, which for some remains a symbol of Britain's imperial past. First, uh, First Nations, indigenous peoples, and advocacy groups in 12 countries where uh, Charles is king released a joint statement this past Wednesday, Wednesday, May 3rd, uh, which was also sent to King Charles himself. Now, the uh, an excerpt from the statement says, quote, we, the undersigned, call on the British monarch, King Charles III, on the date of this, uh, on the date of his coronation, being May 6, 2023, to acknowledge the to acknowledge the horrific impacts on and legacy of genocide and colonization of the indigenous and enslaved peoples of Antigua and Barbuda, uh, New Zealand, right here, New Zealand, Australia, the Bahamas, uh, Belize, Canada, we're here in Detroit, those are our neighbors, Canada, Grenada, Jamaica. Now everybody talks about, you know, come back to Jamaica again and again. I don't really 
know how I don't really know if people really understand that Jamaica was conquered by Christopher Columbus in 1494, conquered by the Spanish. Uh, Papua New Guinea, St. Kitts and Nevis, St. Lucia and St. Vincent and the Grenadines. A, a lot of these places where we like to go vacation were colonized and oftentimes by multiple colonizers. So the um, Jamaica, for instance, first colonized by the Spanish under the master genocide, Christopher Columbus, and then the um, uh, British are going to take over Jamaica. You have Haiti. Haiti was conquered by Columbus in 1492 because Haiti is is the western third of the island of what Columbus called La Isla, La Isla Española, the Spanish island, which was anglicized to Hispaniola. And in 1697, the French take over the western third of uh, the island of Hispaniola from the Spanish in 1697 in the, it was known as the Treaty of Ridge Widget, the Treaty of Ridge Widget. And they call that uh, colony Saint Dominique. The Spanish called it Santo Domingo. Then in 1791, there's a revolution. There's a revolution in the colony of Saint Dominique and in January 1st, 1804, those Africans declare their independence and call that colony Haiti or Haiti. This is the Haitian Revolution. Well, that, they, they, they were conquered by uh, Christopher Columbus on behalf of the Spanish crown in 1492. Okay, so a lot of these places where we like to go vacation have never recovered from the treachery imposed upon them by the Spanish, the French, the British over they, they, these countries were conquered over 500 years ago by Columbus. They have never recovered from this. We have to understand Puerto Rico conquered by Columbus, Panama, Honduras. They, they've never recovered from what, what has happened to them. Quote, our collective indigenous rights organizations, among other organizations, who are working to help our communities recover from centuries of racism, centuries of racism, oppression, colonialism, and slavery, now rightly recognized by the United Nations as, quote, crimes against humanity, crimes against humanity, also call for a formal apology and for a process of reparatory justice to, com to commence, repertory justice to commence, repairing the damage. So I know I know we like to go to Jamaica and get our groove back like Stella, but you got to, you know, understand the history of what's taking place. Now, I, the same, my same sentiments for Queen Elizabeth II when she died are basically the same for uh, uh, King Charles and Queen Camilla. Basically the same thing. They're colonizers. Let's call it what it is. Okay. Now, May 19th, 2018, when Meghan Markle married Prince Harry, I did a, I did a broadcast and this is on YouTube. You can go watch it. And I said, black people watched the Royal wedding and got teary eyed, but forgot about the history of the transatlantic slave trade. 
they forgot the British involvement in the transatlantic slave trade. So the opulence in all the pomp and circumstance that you saw displayed on Saturday, a lot of that was because of the exploitation of African people and the murder of African people being worked to death. So this is why I, I, I don't sit up and get entertained by these colonizers. Now, it is true that uh, King Charles mentioned uh, previously, I don't know about on Saturday, but previously it is true. He mentioned the atrocities of the of the slave trade and things like this. It is true that he does support researching the British involvement and the monarchy's involvement in the slave trade. OK, now after now. OK, so there, there are a couple articles that dealt with this. So there's one from the Associated Press uh, that came out April 6, 2023, that talks about this. Okay, now we have to understand um, Britain was involved in slavery for 272 years. They were involved in slavery for 270, 272 years and the British kept excellent records. So I really don't know what the hell you got to research. I'm just going to be honest with you. Okay, the, the BBC has excellent records on this. I use some of their stuff in my classes. OK, I don't know what it is that you still have to research, but it, OK, you that's what you want to do. OK, whatever. So let's look at this article right here. Um, Associated Press, April 6, 2023. King Charles, King Charles III supports probe into monarchy slave ties. King Charles III supports probe into monarchy slave ties. OK, uh, it's in this article. It talks about how King Charles III, for the first time, for the first time, has signaled support for research into the British monarchy's ties to slavery after a document showed an ancestor with shares, S-H-A-R-E-S, shares in a slave trading company, a Buckingham Palace spokesperson said on Thursday. So this came out April 6, 2023. OK, this was exposed in an article from The Guardian. All right. Now, Charles has taken ish, taken the issue, quote, profoundly serious and academics uh, will be given access to the royal collection and archives. The palace said now the statement was in response to an article in The Guardian, which is a United Kingdom publication, The Guardian.com, The Guardian newspaper that revealed a document showing that the deputy governor of the slave trading Royal African company transferred the road. So this was a slave trading company, the Royal African company transferred 1000 pounds of shares in the business to King William the third in 1689. Now the newspaper reported on the document as part of a series of stories on royal wealth and finances, as well as the monarchy's connection to slavery. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. You listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future of radio, talking about the history of colonizers. Um, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. We'll be back in a few minutes. 
Hey, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network. Help us keep broadcasting, stay on the air, keep doing the research. Uh, dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show uh, through Cash App and through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Okay. Um, and we have the information on the homepage of our website. Stand by. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, pay some of the bills, etc. Great programming. If it's what you want, 9, 10 a.m. is what you need. I'm your host, Brother Michael in the hotel. On the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. A lot of people don't know what the hell they're talking about. They may have their areas of expertise, but some people need to learn how to stay in their own lane. If you don't know, just say you don't know. So we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right into this. Catch it all right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation. The views and opinions expressed on any program are those of the producer and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Dell Media. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, feature radio. All right. So right before the break, we were talking about growing calls from 12 countries are part of the Commonwealth or countries that have King Charles III as head of state. Growing calls for a formal apology for slavery as well as reparations. Now, when I when when I uh, refer to the royal family as colonizers, I'm not calling them colonizers because they're white. I'm calling them colonizers because a um, hundred years ago, one fifth of the world population lived under British rule. They, they were colonized uh, and you had uh, 700 million people who lived under British rule at a time when you had 2.5 billion people uh, on earth. So I'm calling them colonizers because that's what they did. So I just want to make it clear. It's not a racial statement. It's a historical statement. Um, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. So I want to go back to this article here briefly. Then we're going to go to clip number one, um, Doug. And I want you to hear the conversation from September 9th, 2022 on Roland Martin Unfiltered when I dealt with some of the history of uh, Queen Elizabeth II and the uh, Great Britain and their legacy of slavery. If we go back to this piece here from the Associated Press, um, the news. So this is dealing with the report that came from the Guardian dot com in uh, 2023 uh, that showed that one of Prince Charles's ancestors was involved in the slave trade and involved with the um uh, Royal African Company, which was a slave trading company. The statement was in response to an article in the Guardian newspaper that revealed a document showing that the deputy governor of the slave trading company, of, of the slave trading Royal African Company, transferred 1,000 pounds of shares in the business to King William III in 1689. The newspaper reported on the uh, document as part of a series of stories 
on royal wealth and finances, as well as the monarchy's connection to slavery, as well as the British monarchy's connection to slavery. Okay, now King Charles III ascended to the throne last year after the death of his mother, Queen Elizabeth II. His coronation, we know, took place May 6th. Um, the king has said he's trying to, to deepen his understanding of slavery's enduring impact that runs deep in the Commonwealth, an international grouping of countries made up mostly of former, former British colonies. Okay. Deep. So now this, I know, I know, I know King Charles is busy, you know, you trying to deal with people that don't want you to be king. And I, I know he's busy, but he's in his seventies. He's trying to deepen his understanding of slavery's enduring impact. Why don't you, why don't you go to Jamaica and talk to those Africans there and let them educate you on slavery's enduring impact? Why don't you go to Barbados and talk to those Africans there? I know Barbados uh, broke away from the Commonwealth. Why, why don't you go to these nations? Why don't you go to Nigeria? That was a colony of Great Britain. Why don't you, why don't you go? So I, he's in his seventies. He's trying to deepen his understanding. I don't understand that. I'm just, I'm sorry. I, I just don't. During a ceremony that marked Barbados becoming a Republic two years ago, Charles, who was, who was Prince Charles then referred to quote, the darkest days of our past and the appalling atrocity of slavery, which forever stains our history, end quote. English settlers used African slaves to turn the island of Barbados into a wealthy sugar colony, like they, like they did a lot, of other, a lot of other places. Sugar, sugar was king, okay? So they did that in a lot of other places, like Jamaica, okay? Same thing the French did in Haiti. Now, uh, St. Dominique. Now, the research into the monarchies ties to slavery is co-sponsored by historic royal places and Manchester University and is expected to be completed by 2026 expected to be completed by 2026 okay I don't okay it's going to take them two years okay all right it, it, you know slavery ended in Britain in 1883 I'm sorry 1833 it ended in Britain 1833 they had they were involved in slavery for 272 years it ended in So he does support research. Now, I don't know what else he supports, but he does support research. Um, you have the one from, so we talked about the one from um, Newsweek. And there's a, a growing call for um reparations these 12 countries there's a growing call for reparations and a formal apology now if we go back to the one from uh newsweek newsweek.com name of this article is king charles iii faces calls for slavery reparations from 12 countries this is from may 4th 2023 all right uh if we go back here and this is on page i think this is page three where i want to go we're going to clip one in just a minute, Doug. 
uh, okay, right here. Beyond an apology, beyond an apology and reparations, the campaigners want the quote, return of all cultural treasures and artifacts stolen from our peoples throughout the hundreds of years of genocide, enslavement, discrimination, massacre, and racial discrimination by the authorities empowered by the protection of the British crown, end quote. And, quote, the repatriation of all remains of our collective peoples that reside in UK museums and institutions and that represent our family histories, genealogies, cultural history, and spiritual ancestry. They want it all back. Okay, now that's what I want to hear about. I don't want to hear about some colonizer being coronated. I'm sorry. I don't want to hear about that. I want this is what they want the artwork back. They want they want everything that was stolen from them back, all the physical artifacts that are in British museums, and they charge admission to see what they stole. They want all that. These 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 Caribbean nations and, and indigenous nations, they want all of that back. Okay? They want to repair the damage and they want a formal apology but not just an apology not just saying i'm sorry let's be friends they want you to acknowledge what you did okay not king charles himself but the british monarchy and great britain they want an acknowledgement of what happened now um on september 9th 2022 uh i was on ruler martin and filtered and we talked about uh, the death. This is the day after uh, Queen Elizabeth died, um, and we we talked about that, and we talked about uh, uh, Uju Anya, Professor Uju Anya, and Jeff Bezos going after here, all, all that stuff. Okay, uh, let's go. To, let's go to this clip, please, Doug. Now, uh, the professor uh, Uju um, uh, Anya, she has uh, she didn't back down. Now, Twitter did delete that particular tweet. Uh, from her uh, saying that uh, it violated their standards. Not sure how that's the case. Um, but uh, when you begin to look at uh, her Twitter feed, uh, boom, she said, if anyone expects me to express anything but disdain for the monarch who supervised a government that sponsored the genocide that massacred and displaced half my family and the consequences of which those alive today are still trying to overcome, you can keep wishing upon a star. Yeah, I don't think she's going to be um, uh, backing down uh, from uh, any of that. Um, that was some other, I'm looking at some other uh, tweets that, uh, that she had posted. Uh, I mean, again, she had, I mean, all kind of different um, uh, tweets. Uh, she did respond to uh, Jeff Bezos. Uh, she said, may everyone, you and your merciless greed have harm in this world. Remember you as fondly as you, remember you as fondly as I remember my colonizers. Wow. Um, again, her tweet that spurred a reaction. Carnegie Mellon did uh, offer a response. This was, this was what they posted. Uh, they said, we do not condone the offensive and objectionable messages posted by Yuju Anya today on her personal social media account. Free expression is core to the mission of higher education. However, the views she shared absolutely do not represent the values of the institution nor the standards of discourse we seek to foster. Um, so, 
his was interesting. And this was a tweet here that um, Yuji retweeted. Reminder that Queen Elizabeth is not a remnant of colonial times. She was an active participant in colonialism. She actively tried to stop independence movements and she tried to keep newly independent colonies from leaving the Commonwealth. The evil she did was enough. This she was talking about this, this article here. This woman was, uh, it says she was tortured with access during Kenya's struggle for independence from British colonial rule. As Britain celebrates the platinum jubilee of its monarch, this old fighter wants to send her a message. Let Elizabeth bring what belongs to me. Okay, pause it right there. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right, so we have, who do we have here? We've got Lila Starr. We have uh, Sonia. Okay, Sonia said, uh, yes, that's the only thing I want to hear is reparations. Uh, we've got Kenya, Kenya Russell. It's what you need. I'm your host, Brother Michael, in the hotel. On the African History Network show, we focus on educating the mind and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. A lot of people don't know what the hell they're talking about. They may have their areas of expertise, but some people need to learn how to stay in their own lane. If you don't know, just say you don't know. We have a lot to talk about, so we're going to jump right into this. Catch it all right here on 910 AM Superstation. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation WFDF. Uh, be sure to visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, and check out the, uh, we did two free class sessions uh, this weekend of my 12-week online uh, course, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, What They Didn't Teach You in School. Okay, so we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. When you scroll down the website, it has information about uh, our radio show right here on 9, 10 a.m. WFDF, our PayPal and Cash App information. We have uh, the 12 week online course here. Uh, so you can click right here, register now, free class session. And then you can also register for the full 12 week online course. This time around, we're going to do 13 or 14 weeks of the class. It's on sale $60, regularly $130. And then our second class, uh, the one I teach on Sundays, the one I did today, Black Resistance Movements, Black Resistance Movements from the Haitian Revolution, U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. We did a free class session today as well. Uh, this course is discounted to $40, regularly $130. Even after the course is over with, you can go back and watch the entire class, okay? We have a bundle pack. Uh, for $80, but um, two years from now, a year from now, two years from now, you can still watch the entire course. So your uh, access does not expire. All right. Uh, I want to go back to the uh, story here dealing with uh, King Charles III and uh, the British monarchy. Uh, and I want to go back to this clip from September 9th, 2022, when uh, I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered, okay? And we dealt with um, the passing of Queen Elizabeth. She she died the day before. Uh, before we go back to that clip, just quickly, I want to show you this from uh, Wikipedia. 
And this is a map uh, from Wikipedia. This is a map of the list of countries that gained independence from the United Kingdom. Okay. A list of countries that gained independence from the United Kingdom. It's important to, it's one thing to just look at a piece of paper and see, and see the names of these nations. Okay. It's over, it's, it's something like 120 nations uh, going back to probably 1931 that gained independence uh, going with, starting with Canada. Well, United States, 1776, we know that. But uh, Canada, 1931, when you look at the map of the world and you see all these nations that were under the control of Great Britain, then all, all of this starts to really sink in, okay? Uh, and then you look at Africa, uh, they got so much, so many colonies in Africa because of, largely because of the Berlin Conference, the Berlin Conference of 1884 and 1885. Um, South Africa gained their independence in 1931. Lesotho, 1966. And Lesotho was an enclave inside of South Africa, like Highland Park, Michigan is an enclave inside of Detroit. Uh, Botswana, Swaziland, Zimbabwe, Malawi, Tanzania, Z Zambia, Nigeria, Ghana, Sierra Leone, Uganda, Egypt in 1922. Uh, uh, Sudan, uh, Gambia, uh, then we look at Israel, uh, Qatar, Bahrain, Kuwait, Iraq, Jordan, Pakistan, India, um, Papua New Guinea, Malaysia. Okay, you look at all that. Uh, Australia, 1942, New Zealand, 1947. Then we look at Guyana, uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Trinidad and Tobago, Barbados, Grenada, Dominica. Dominica, bah the Bahamas, Jamaica, Belize, Antigua and Barbuda, St. Kitts and, and Nevis, St. Lucia, uh, Canada, okay, Ireland, Malta. So when you, when you look at a map of the world and you, you look at all this, you say, I'll be damned, okay? No wonder all these people upset. Kenya, I forgot Kenya. Kenya, nineteen sixty-three. Can't forget Kenya. Facing Mount Kenya, Jomo Kenyatta, Kenya. All right. So, um, yeah. So you can say you're interested in learning more, and you're in your seventies. Are you interested in learning more about the history? What the? Come on, man. <laughs> okay. Um, let's go back to this clip here. Uh, we're gonna start at the five-minute mark. Uh, uh, the Let's go back to the segment, please. All right, we'll, we'll continue this another side of the break. You're going to hear my response. That video has been viewed over 300,000 times as, uh, um, on Roland Martin's YouTube channel. And we shared it here on our show also. This is the African History Network. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right, we're going to go right back to this clip from Roland, Roland Martin Unfiltered. Um, from September 9th, 2022, uh, I was on the show. This was the day after, uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away and I was breaking down some of the history of the, uh, British monarchy and, um, uh, slavery and colonialism. Let's go back to this clip, please, Doug. 
go to my panel here. Um, I, I find it, it's very interesting when you, I said this last night, um, Michael, it's very interesting when people, they have this view that when someone passes, you, you, in, in the first 24, 48 hours, first week, you can't say anything bad about them. You hear the phrase, you can't say anything good about somebody, don't say anything at all. Uh, I saw a video of Dale Hughley. He said that uh, people should have compassion when someone dies. Um, but I saw these pieces, I saw these, these back and forth and um, these tweets from Uju Anya, and she talked about how her family was devastated, how they were uh, massacred. And in fact, there was an interview that she gave, uh, and she uh, said this to uh, the person in the interview. Uh, she said, I am the child and sibling of survivors of genocide. From 1967 to 1970, more than 3 million civilians were massacred when the Igbo people of Nigeria tried to form the independent country. And, and I said this, and I think it's important for us to say it. So people are angry that individuals who dealt with genocide because of British colonial rule are not celebrating her life the way they want them to. Yet again, people gladly condemned Fidel Castro. And so this goes to what I always talk about. The person that controls the narrative controls uh, how we think and feel. And frankly, the view in this country is don't say anything bad about Queen Elizabeth II because she was a great, wonderful, happy person and ignore colonial rule and its impact on indigenous people. Well, you know, Roland, um, this is one of the reasons why the Black Star Media Network is so important. And last night I did a three-hour broadcast dealing with um, Queen Elizabeth II, British colonial, British colonialism and slavery, because I watched a lot of the coverage all day long on MSNBC. That's basically what I had it on all day, watching MSNBC. And they didn't deal with any of that history. Okay, the the opulence when they showed all the footage and going back decades and they showed the 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 the, the gold carriage, the gold carriage drawn by 30 horses and they show all the people in, in, in their regalia and things like this. They don't talk about the British colonialism that exploited people, tortured people, enslaved people to create the billions of dollars. So you see that opulence displayed, you know. So when, you know now the now within the last maybe three hours, New York Times just published an article in Africa: the Queen's death renews a debate about the legacy of the British Empire, and it deals with Kenya and the Mau Mau rebellion. Okay, when you go, uh, I, I did a lot of research yesterday on Queen Elizabeth, but also on Great Britain. When you look at how many African countries they got from the Berlin Conference of 1884, okay, and you look, they got the Gambia, Nigeria, where that sister's from, okay? They got Ghana, Sierra Leone. They got uh, Kenya, Tanzania, uh, Malawi, Zambia, Zimbabwe, South Africa, okay? When, so when you go talk to those African people, who had relatives who were killed by the British Empire. They have no love for her. They have no love for King Charles III. 
May, May 19, 2022, when Meghan Markle married uh, Prince Harry, I did a two-hour broadcast, and I said, black people watched the royal wedding and got teary-eyed, but you forgot about the transatlantic slave trade. Because I said she married into, this is no disrespect to Meghan Markle, I said she married into a family of colonizers. They're not colonizers because they're white. They're colonizers because Britain colonized one-fifth of the world population a hundred years ago. One-fifth of the world population was un under British rule. And they didn't rule with kindness. They didn't rule with a smile. They ruled with brutality. So I wish, I don't wish anything ill on Queen Elizabeth II. I sure as hell don't miss her. And I hope some more join her. Seriously. Go study the history of the British royal empire and how they got what they got. These are some demons. These are colonizers. That's I understand. I may have expressed it differently than Uja Anya, but I totally understand what she's saying. Because those were those those were her relatives who were massacred by these by these white by these white supremacists by these colonizers who then want to put a, a a handshake and a smile. They won't even have a conversation about reparations with Jamaica. Jamaica's about to sue them for reparations. They won't even have a conversation about reparations. So I have no love lost for them. Here are some, uh, Eton Thomas, um, former NBA player, um, uh, Kelly, he posted a couple of videos on his Twitter feed. I thought, might as well play both of them. Just want to give folks a thought, a look at this. So um, uh, check this out. In 2022, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II became the first British monarch to celebrate a platinum jubilee. The celebrations took place over a four-day bank holiday. Millions of Brits parted in street parties and people around the world joined in on the celebrations. But is celebrating the British monarch harmless fun, or does it normalize the monarchy's long history of colonialism? And is it a celebration of British imperialism? Here are four ways in which the British royal family has benefited from colonialism. They have historically benefited from the enslavement of human beings. In 1562, John Hawkins was the first Englishman to include African people in his cargo. He traded these people for ginger and sugar. On his next voyage in 1564, Queen Elizabeth I funded a vessel for his journey. The British East India Company was formed in 1600 to exploit trade with Southeast Asia. They did that by colonizing land and exploiting people through the transatlantic slave trade. The figure who signed the Royal Charter allowing this all to happen was also Elizabeth I. Between 1690 and 1807, an estimated 6 million Africans were transported from Africa to the Americas on British or Anglo-American ships. The royal family and the British Parliament protected the trade. After Elizabeth I's death, the Royal African Company was established in 1660 by the Duke of York. The company transported more than 187,000 slaves who were often branded DY for the Duke of York. It's difficult to say how much the royals benefited from slavery, but many say it funded the entire British treasury. And it's safe to say that much of the monarch's significance, power and wealth stems from the enslavement of Africans. Lucy Worsley, the chief curator of royal historic palaces, says that all royal palaces from the 17th century have an element of money which is derived from slavery, including Kensington Palace and Hampton Court. The royal family was built on a legacy of stolen land, goods and atrocities. Queen Elizabeth II's largest diamond, the Kohinoor, was stolen from a 10-year-old prince in India along with his land in the 19th century. It was transferred to Queen Mary in 1911 and was handed down to the current queen. Both India and Pakistan have asked for the diamond's return, but it's still very much owned by the crown. In India, between the 1700s and mid-20th century, an estimated $45 trillion was stolen by the British under the vestiges of the crown. Famines, which occurred as a result of Britain's non-intervention policy, led to the death of more than 30 million Indians. In 1947...
Now, that was, uh, that was, that was sort of like part one, and that was also a uh, part two. He wants to get Britain out of India quickly. The decision to carve up a country led to 15 million people being displaced and between one and two million people dying. Of course, this is just India. At its peak, Britain had colonized 25% of the world's surface. From the Mau Mau massacre in Kenya to concentration camps in South Africa, Britain, under the vestiges of the crown, has a long and bloody history of colonial atrocities. And the royals have historically been at the center of them. The prestige of the Commonwealth. The Commonwealth is an organization of 52 independent member states. What it actually is is a collection of former British colonies and Rwanda and Mozambique. The Commonwealth originated after World War II when much of India and Africa was becoming independent. The Commonwealth claims that it is an association of sovereign nations working towards shared goals of prosperity, democracy and peace. But critics say that the association promotes neocolonialism through free trade agreements, which favor more developed economies. British companies own more than $1 trillion of Africa's key resources. The Queen is the head of the Commonwealth, and Charles has been appointed her successor, which allows the British monarchy to remain in a position of international privilege and go on tours of Commonwealth countries. But that's not all. Pause the clip right there, because we run out of time. All right, so watch that. Uh, Roland has that on his YouTube channel, and I'm about to we're going to rebroadcast the the episode of the African History Network show from September 11th, 2022. I've uploaded that. We're going to rebroadcast that uh, like all week. All right. And that's on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Uh, okay. We're going to go to the phone lines uh, quickly here. Uh, line one, we have PG. PG, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. Good morning. I should say good evening. I am calling from the city of Southfield, Michigan, the great city of Southfield, Michigan. And I wanted to ask you a question. Um, so we know that records were not kept very well for African Americans. And I think most of us are probably able to, without much difficulty, go back to our great, great, maybe our second great grandparents. How will it be determined who should get reparations? And do you think that a lot of our people right now are living in what you call emotional reparations in terms how, of the how, mindset? How will it be determined where? Are you talking about in California or are you talking about in the United States in general? In, well, in both areas. Because you were talking about California. Yeah, so in California, in California they're going to do it based upon lineage. And one of the things that they want is they want an eight, they want a, a, a agency in California similar to the Freedmen's Bureau to be set up to help um, um, African Americans trace their ancestry. So they would have to trace it back to uh, a, a person of African descent that was in the U.S. prior to 1900 or trace it back to uh, a person who was enslaved in California. Uh, so it would be, they, they've identified about 1,500 people who uh, were in like a semi-slavery or slavery state in California from 1850 to 1865. Because even though when California came into the Union in 1850, uh, they came in as a, as a free state uh you did have some who violated that law slavery slavery was a um, uh california does not have a real history of slavery 
uh, and slavery was abolished in California, but you did have some who uh, violated that law. Okay, so they they want an agency set up that will help uh, African Americans trace their ancestry. Uh, for and uh, as far as the uh, federal, as far as reparations at the federal level, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to do uh, the same thing. Records going back to prior to 1900, 1899, 1898, that's not that difficult. 17, 1760, 1660 is a lot more difficult, but going back to like right before 1900 is not that difficult. The reason why they have to do it based upon lineage and can't do it based upon race, can't distribute reparations based upon race in the state of California is because race-based policies in the state of California are illegal. So they want to make sure that whatever they do is legally structured. So when lawsuits are filed by Republicans and their Negro allies, that whatever uh, it, whatever reparations are distributed won't be overturned in court. Okay, so at the at the at the uh, federal level, if people really understand how to get uh, reparations enforced at the federal level, because it's not going to be through HR forty. I, I don't know why people keep. Uh, trying to push that. Not so am I understanding you accurately that if a person in California cannot prove that someone in their lineage came through California or they can't prove their African ancestry that they would not get reparations or is it safe Correct. to assume that anybody that's black no, mixed no, no, with something no, no, would not, get reparations? No, no. The California Reparations Task Force already voted. It has to be based upon lineage. The reason why it has to be based upon lineage is because race-based policies in the state of California, based upon California yeah, I heard state that law, part. But I'm, I'm explaining it because Cali because race-based policies in the state of California, because of existing California law, are illegal. So they so they have to do it based upon lineage. Otherwise, nothing is going to be distributed. They have to do it based upon yeah. lineage. Yeah, thank you for reiterating that. So I want to ask you like a, a hypothetical question. So my lineage that I know is black, white, and American Indian. Would that qualify me for reparations? Qualify you for reparations where? Uh, as far as reparations for slavery. Are you talking about in the state of California, or are you talking about the federal level? No, I'm talking like like here, here. You told me about California. You explained not race because of the policy, and it will have to be done with lineage. So, if my lineage here in the state of Michigan, and if we ever get to the point where California is, I mean, realistically, not the Detroit okay. little reparations uh, committee that they talk about on the radio, but if they get to that. The guidelines in the state of Michigan have not been set yet. So we don't know. These are the guidelines for the state of California. The guidelines in the state of, state of Michigan haven't been set yet. So we don't know. Okay. Thanks for calling. Keep listening. All right. Um, I want to go to, we, we get, thanks. Okay. Uh, I want to show you this article very quickly here. Um, I mentioned it from the New York Times, and this is called In Africa, the Queen's Death Renews a Debate About the Legacy of the British Empire. In Africa, the Queen's Death Renews a Debate About the Legacy of the British Empire. While some in Africa pay tribute 
to the deceased monarch, others stressed Britain's violent colonial history on the continent. So when I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered, this is the article I mentioned. This is from September 9th, 2022. Okay. And uh, it talks about, okay, so, so read this. I don't have time to get deep into it, but I want to give you that article, uh, the name of that article so you can read it. Also, there's a, there's a good one from uh, National Public Radio, NPR.org, National Public Radio. Uh, name of this article is Not Everyone Mourns uh, the Queen. Not everyone mourns the queen. For many, F-O-R, for many, she can't be separated from colonial rule. September 12, 2022. Uh, and in, in the article, it says uh, when she took the throne in 1952, Queen, uh, queen Elizabeth II, when she took the throne in 1952, more than a quarter of the world's population was under British imperial rule. That was more than 700 million people, including in parts of Africa, Asia, the Middle East, and the Pacific Islands, okay? And, uh, okay, so read the, rest of, read the rest of that article. All right, now, uh, we're going to switch gears here, and uh, we're coming up on the break. When we come back from the break, I want to deal with this story of members of the Proud Boys who were convicted of seditious conspiracy. They were convicted... Uh, this was Thursday, uh, May 4th. And we talked about this uh, when I was on uh, Faraji Muhammad show, The Culture. OK, this is significant because Enrico, Enrique Tario, uh, who is a former chairman of the Proud Boys, he was convicted and he wasn't there in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. OK, listen to the After History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. Okay, the call-in number is 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right, uh, I, I wanted to get to uh, this other topic here, and this deals with what happened Thursday, um, May 4th. The Proud Boys... You, you had uh, some members of the Proud Boys who were found guilty of seditious conspiracy and uh, some other counts when it came to the January 6th insurrection. Okay. There's an article from uh, the Washington Post. Uh, this is from May 4th, 2023, Thursday, May 4th, 2023. Uh, Proud Boys Enrique Tario, three others guilty of January 6th seditious conspiracy. Guilty of January 6th seditious conspiracy. Prosecutors alleged defendants viewed themselves as Donald Trump's army. Prosecutors alleged that defendants viewed themselves as Donald Trump's army, intent on keeping him in power empowered through violence. Okay. This is from May 4th, 2023. Now, former Proud Boys chairman, Henry Enrique Tario, and three other leaders of the far right extremist group, the Proud Boys were found guilty Thursday of seditious conspiracy in the January 6, 2021 attack on the U.S. Capitol. A jury deliberated for seven days in Washington, D.C. before uh, Henry Enrique Tario, 46 years old, 
I mean, sorry, 30, 39 and other defendants uh, were found guilty on 31 of 46 counts, found guilty on 31 of 46 counts. The jury returned not guilty verdicts on five counts, including acquitting one member, Dominique Pozzola, of seditious conspiracy, and they were deadlocked on 10 other uh, 10 other counts. Now, the result marked the third decisive victory for the Department of Justice in three seditious conspiracy trials held uh, after what it called a historic act of domestic uh, terrorism, a historic act of domestic terrorism to prevent the peaceful transfer of power from Donald Trump to Joe Biden after the 2020 presidential election. Now, uh, okay, so so we have this article here. There's also one from uh, all the news outlets reported on this is one from um, in, in the New York Times that I have as well. Okay, uh, we're gonna go. We're going. We're going to the clip here in just a minute, um, uh, Doug. Now there was. I'm gonna pull up also the legal definition of um, uh, seditious conspiracy uh, as well. Now you have a lot of legal experts who say that this can open the door for special counsel uh, Jack Smith to go after Donald Trump because Donald Trump wasn't at the U.S. Capitol building on January 6th. He was back at the White House. We know he did nothing for 187 minutes to stop the violence. All right. So they talk about that here uh, in the article as well. If we scroll down uh, to the bottom of page one, and it says legal analysts. Let me see, where is it? Um, legal analysts said the convictions on the historically rare and politically weighty crime of seditious conspiracy sent a necessary signal of deterrence, a necessary signal of deterrence to anyone who might seek to repeat or draw inspiration from that day's violence. The verdict also could carry implications for the former president, for the traitor in chief, Benedict Donald. Special counsel Jack Smith is investigating whether Donald Trump or those around him broke the law in seeking to hold onto power by fanning false and incendiary claims, just lying. Just lying their behinds off, okay? By fanning false and incendiary claims that the election was stolen, pressuring state and federal officials to assist the uh, effort and sending thousands of supporters, uh, and that's putting it lightly, sending thousands of supporters who heard him speak at the January 6th rally to march to the U.S. Capitol. After the verdict, Attorney General Merrick Garland spoke at the Justice Department and said the jury's decision made it clear, the jury's decision made it clear, quote, that the, that the uh, Justice Department will do everything in this power to defend the American people and American democracy, end quote. 
Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland noted that one of the country's largest criminal investigations ever has secured more than 600 convictions. It's actually the largest investigation the Department of Justice has ever embarked upon. There's been over 1,000 people arrested. There's been over uh, more than 600 convictions. There's been about 516 guilty pleas. Uh, so we, we talked about this on uh, Faraji Muhammad's show, uh, The Culture, on Thursday, uh, May 4th. Let's go to uh, clip number two, please, Doug. All right, folks, I uh, wanted to uh, switch gears and have another conversation, which is about, you know, as much as we talk about all of these other things, there might be some semblance of justice happening with uh, the latest conviction coming from uh, the latest conviction of the Proud Boys. You know what that group is. That's the group that have shown their great support for former President Donald Trump and one of the um, white supremacist groups that uh, showed up on January the 6th and in some cases led the insurrection that, that the storming of the Capitol. Well, four members of that group, the Proud Boys, been found guilty of seditious conspiracy by a jury in D.C. for their role uh, to forcibly prevent the peaceful transfer of power from then-President uh, Donald Trump to Joe Biden after the 2020 election. According to the reports, folks, um, those four individuals, take a look at this. Take a look. Here are the, the four individuals that were convicted. Defendants Enrico Tario, who serves as the Proud Boys' longtime chairman, Ethan Nordine, Joseph Biggs, Zachary Rell, and Dominic Pizzola, they faced a range of charges, including three uh, separate conspiracy charges, obstructing the electoral vote, and tampering with evidence. Now, the guilty verdict marks the third time that prosecutors have secured convictions for seditious conspiracy in the Justice Department's historic prosecution of those who breached the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Here to talk to us about the implications of what this all means and how will it affect things moving forward, especially given the fact that uh, former President Donald Trump is running again for office. Does that mean that these groups like the Proud Boys will be empowered, emboldened, to to make sure that this happens or that there will be more violence or there might be some more political violence against the United States government, we will have to see. Let me bring in my brother who is uh, going to join us for this part of the conversation, Brother Michael Lenhotep. You see him on Roland Martin Unfiltered, but you also see him and can hear him on his show, the African History Network uh, show that he has in Detroit as well as um, online. And uh, we are always happy to have my brother joining us. Brother Michael, good afternoon. Good to talk to you again, bro. How you feeling? Hey, Faraji, I'm all right. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. You wanted to talk about this. What, what, what's the big part of this story? Because there have been a number of, of arrests related to January the 6th. But close what is it about this? Close to a thousand close, arrests yeah. related to January 6th. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and, and I think that, and I'm bringing that up because, one, a lot of people don't believe that there was some sort of punishment we we hear that that we of course we saw what happened but then we don't always know well what's what's going on with that and you're absolutely right close to a thousand arrests have been made but why why did this story why did the conviction of the proud boys stick out what stuck out the most for you for this well it it uh is taking place right now because uh the jury is still deliberating on um 11 of the remaining counts 
Um, so this is a continuation. We know Oath Keepers were convicted of seditious conspiracy. Uh, here you have four out of the five Proud Boys convicted. Um, and then also you had, uh, they were convicted on 31 of 46 counts as well. Um, so we're continuing to see the Department of Justice go after these people, not hold press conference, co press conferences every day, but really speak when it, it speak in court. You've had uh, over close to a thousand or more people uh, um, arrested. Actually, there's more than a thousand people arrested. You, you've had, uh, I can't remember how many convictions, somewhere around 500 convictions or so. Uh, you've had guilty pleas. History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation. Uh, calling, uh, we'll be, when we come back from the break, we'll continue this and also we'll get to the update in the California Reparations Task Force uh, story as well. And we're going to squeeze in the uh, uh, spanking story, uh, how that's a holdover from slavery. The African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation. Okay. Um, I, I want to, we're going to go back to the clip here in just a minute. And uh, I want to uh, show you uh, this information dealing with, dealing with what seditious conspiracy is. Okay. Uh, this comes from Cornell University's law school. This is dealing with uh, U.S. Code, uh, uh, code 182384. And let me zoom in on this here. This is the legal definition of uh, seditious conspiracy. Okay, this is from Cornell uh, Law School, Cornell University's Law School. If two or more persons in any, in any state or territory, if two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow put down or to destroy by force the government of the United States or to levy war against them or to oppose by force the authority thereof or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, contrary to the authority thereof, they shall each be fined under this title or imprisoned, not more than 20 years or both. Okay. That's uh, 18 USC 2384, seditious conspiracy, seditious conspiracy. That's at uh, Cornell University's law school's website. All right. So I want to go back to this clip from uh, Faraji Muhammad show, the culture from Thursday, uh, May 4th, we were talking about the conviction of some of the Proud Boy members. Let's go back to this clip, uh, uh, Doug. Uh, so all this is taking place right now, and there is a there is accountability that's happening. And the Proud Boys are looked at as a like enforcers of Donald Trump. OK, they looked at it as enforcers of, of, of Trump and they're being held accountable as well. So uh, what people and now. It's with Enrique uh, Tario, who's the former chairman of the Proud Boys. He was convicted on 
uh, seditions conspiracy as well. And he wasn't even there on January 6th. Okay. So now, cause like when you read the article from the Washington Post today, Proud Boys, Enrique Tario, three others guilty of January 6th seditious, uh, seditious conspiracy. So a lot of legal analysts are thinking that this is gives special counsel Jack Smith an opportunity, give, gives him more footing, more, uh, uh, more of a more leeway to go after Donald Trump who was not at the Capitol on January 6th, but the, the, uh, the allegations are that Trump incited these uh, insurrectionists and sent them to the U.S. Capitol. He was, he was at the White House watching it after the rally that they had at the White House. He was at the White House watching it and did nothing for 187 minutes. So uh, it's always good when you see domestic terrorists held accountable, number one. Uh, and we, we need to uh, pay attention to this. But also, if our vote didn't matter, why did they work so hard to try to invalidate 16.9 million African-Americans votes? Why did they, they, they were sent there to uh, stop a constitutionally mandated bicameral, means both chambers of the legislative branch, the House and the Senate, a bicameral uh, session of the legislative branch of the government to certify the uh, 2020 presidential elections, to certify those uh, electoral college votes. So if our vote didn't matter, why did they try to overthrow the government to keep Trump in office and invalidate the votes of 16.9 million African-Americans? So this, this is why understanding history, law, and politics and economics is so important. Okay, so uh, we need to pay close attention to this, this and other uh, investigations and trials that are taking place as well. Let me ask you this, uh, Brother Michael, um, before we take our next pause. Um, do you think that that with these convictions, with these arrests, that it really puts a dent in the, the white supremacist, white nationalist groups from, you know, from from growing, from from emerging? Um, like I said, President Trump, he talking about he he he, he planning to run again. So these. these well, he groups, is running again. He is. Yeah, running I mean, again. he's running again. So. These groups are still in existence. Do you think sure. that all of this stuff is still, is, is it putting a dent on that movement? I, I think what it's doing is, is showing that if you go out here and do this, we're going to find you. We're going to, keep in mind, most of them were not arrested on January 6th. They were right. arrested afterward. The, the, the FBI hunted them down. They, they, you're going to be brought to justice. You're going to be prosecuted. OK, you're going to lose your job. You, you may lose your house. You're going to be convicted. You're going to go to prison. You're going to get felonies. They're convicting them on. So when you go and look at uh, the, these various convictions, people are convicted. Uh, one of the one of the uh, convictions today was on uh, theft of government property. OK, so it's now if you go look uh, when uh, Trump was indicted. OK. When Trump was indicted on charges out of Manhattan, okay, Alan Bragg, District Attorney Alan Bragg, Trump was calling for his uh, supporters to come out and protest. All right, there were there weren't a whole lot of protests. It was nothing like January six to come out and protest and support him. Okay, so even though you have like sixty three percent, there's a poll that just came out. Sixty three percent of Republicans think that Joe Biden wasn't. Um, uh, let me see. 63% believe 63% of Republicans 
polled still believe that Biden did not uh, legitimately legitimately win the 2020 Damn. election. 63%. Well, they well the number one news source for Republicans is Fox News. That's the that's the number one news source. And they're less and Republicans are less likely to get their news from a variety of news sources where Democrats are, are, are much more likely to get their news from, you know, NBC, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, a variety of news sources. So um, when you have not the huge support that people thought were going to come out and support Donald Trump when he got indicted. What's taking place with those insurrectionists being prosecuted, being sentenced to prison, getting felony convictions, okay, losing their jobs, losing their homes, reputation ruined in, in many cases. That's a sign to them. You can't, your white supremacy is not your superpower. You thought it was, but you, you're, you're going to be held accountable. Then we're going to take a pause right there because when we come forward, uh, Brother Michael, I think that that is going to be the gaslight that will enrage some of these groups because of the history and the origin of what these groups originally stand for, stood for, which is not necessarily against black people. I mean, that was a part of it, the ideology. But from my understanding of like white militias, they have a problem with the United States government. Some, they have a yeah. problem. They have a problem with the uh, political structure and the system that we are in. So I think that is, this is going to be very, very interesting. Folks, we got to take a quick pause. Pause it right there. Pause it right there, Doug. All right, thanks. Pause it right there. Okay, now uh, let's look uh, quickly here at this article because we're coming up on the break now. This is the article that I mentioned uh, on the, when we came back from the break. Uh, this is the article that I mentioned uh, from CNBC.com. DOJ says at least 1,000 Trump supporters arrested for January 6th Capitol riot. This is for March 6th, 2023. That's, that's what I could put my hands on right then, okay? Uh, at least 1,000. So it's been over 1,000 people arrested. And uh, if we go look at this quickly here at this article, uh, at least 1,000 people so far have been arrested on charges related to the January 6th, 2021 insurrection. Uh, about, one, about 518 people have uh, pleaded guilty to federal crime so far, the DOJ said in an update marking 26 months since the riot. Okay, now it's it's probably closer to uh, the, the 600 that uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland said. This was this is from March. Uh, this is from uh, March 6, 2023. Okay, so I, I I cited this just to give a reference point. Around one third of capital defendants have been charged with assaulting, resisting, or or imp impeding uh, police during the attack. The DOJ said about 420 defendants have already been adjudicated and sentenced for their criminal activity. Another 53 were found guilty at trials, the DOJ said. Now, this is a, as of uh, March 6, 2023. Okay, when we come back from the break, we'll, when we come back from the break, we'll deal with um, how spanking uh, African-American children is a holdover from slavery. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right, here's the conversation. We're going to uh, clip number three, Doug. Here's the conversation that I had with Faraji Muhammad on uh, April 11th, dealing with uh, spanking children as a holdover from slavery. Let's go to clip number three, please. Uh, so 
all this is taking place right now and there is a there is accountability that's happening and the proud boys are looked at as a like enforcers of donald trump okay they're looked at it as enforcers uh, of, of trump and they're being held accountable as well so uh what people and now it's, it's with enrique uh tario who's the former chairman of the proud boys he was convicted on uh, seditious conspiracy as well and he wasn't even there on january 6th okay so now because like when you read the article from the washington post today proud boys enrique tario three others guilty of january 6th seditious uh, seditious conspiracy so a lot of legal analysts are thinking that this is gives special counsel jack smith an opportunity give, gives him more footing more uh uh more of a more leeway to go after donald trump who was not at the Capitol on January 6th, but the, the, uh, the allegations are that Trump incited these uh, insurrectionists and sent them to the U.S. Capitol. He was, he was at the White House watching it after the rally that they had at the White House. He was at the White House watching it and did nothing for 187 minutes. So um, it's always good when you see domestic terrorists held accountable, number one. Uh, and we, we need to uh, pay attention to this. But also, if our vote didn't matter, why did they work so hard to try to invalidate 16.9 million African-Americans votes? Why did they they, they were sent there to uh, stop a constitutionally mandated bicameral means both chambers of the legislative branch, the House and the Senate, a bicameral uh, session of the legislative branch of the government to certify the uh, 2020 presidential elections, to certify those uh, electoral college votes. So if our vote didn't matter, why did they try to overthrow the government to keep Trump in office and invalidate the votes of 16.9 million African-Americans? So this, this is why understanding history, law and politics and economics is so important. Okay, so uh, we need to pay close attention to this, this and other uh, investigations and trials that are taking place as well. Let me ask you this, uh, Brother Michael, um, before we take our next pause. Um, do you think that that with these convictions, with these arrests, that it really puts a dent in the, the white supremacist, white nationalist groups from, you know, from from growing, from from emerging? Uh, like I said, President Trump, he talking about he he he, he planning to run again. So these. these well, he groups, is running again. He is. Yeah, running I mean, again. he's running again. So. These groups are still in existence. Do you think sure. that all of this stuff is still, is, is it putting a dent on that movement? I, I think what it's doing is, is showing that if you go out here and do this, we're going to find you. We're going to, keep in mind, most of them were not arrested on January 6th. They were right. arrested afterward. The, the, the FBI hunted them down. They, you're going to be brought to justice. You're going to be prosecuted. OK, you're going to lose your job. You, you may lose your house. You're going to be convicted. You're going to go to prison. You're going to get felonies. They're convicting them on. So when you go and look at uh, the, these various convictions, people are convicted. Uh, one of the one of the uh, convictions today was on uh, theft of government property. OK, so it's now if you go look uh, when uh, Trump was indicted. OK. When Trump was indicted on charges out of Manhattan, okay, Alan Bragg, District Attorney Alan Bragg, Trump was calling for his 
uh, supporters to come out and protest. All right. There were there weren't a whole lot of protests. It was nothing like January 6th to come out and protest and support him. OK, so even though you have like 63 percent, there's a poll that just came out. 63 percent of Republicans think that Joe Biden wasn't. Um, uh, let me see. 63 percent believe 63 percent of Republicans polled still believe that Biden did not uh, legitimately legitimately win the 2020 Damn. election. 63 percent. Well, they well, the number one news source for Republicans is Fox News. That's the, that's the number one news source. And they're less and Republicans are less likely to get their news from a variety of news sources where Democrats are, are, are much more likely to get their news from, you know, NBC, MSNBC, New York Times, Washington Post, a variety of news sources. So um, when you have not the huge support that people thought were going to come out and support Donald Trump when he got indicted. What's taking place with those insurrectionists being prosecuted, being sentenced to prison, getting felony convictions, okay, losing their jobs, losing their homes, reputation ruined in, in many cases. That's a sign to them. You can't, your white supremacy is not your superpower. You thought it was, but you, you're, you're going to be held accountable. Now, we're going to take a pause right there because when we come forward, uh, Brother Michael, I think that that is going to be the gaslight that will enrage some of these groups because of the history and the origin of what these groups originally stand for, stood for, which is not necessarily against black people. I mean, that was a part of their ideology. But from my understanding of like white militias, they have a problem with the United States government. Some they have them, a yeah. problem, they have a problem with the uh, political structure and the system that we are in. So. I think that is, this is going to be very, very interesting. Folks, we got to take a quick pause. Welcome back to the African History Network show. All right, here's the conversation. We're going to uh, clip number three, Doug. Here's the conversation that I had with Faraji Muhammad on uh, April 11th, dealing with uh, spanking children as a holdover from slavery. Let's go to clip number three, please. All right, folks, welcome back to the show and our final conversation. I wanted to talk about something that, we have talked about, which is part of parenting in, black, in the black community. But more importantly, I wanted to talk about normalizing corporal punishment, how there is a growing number of voices around the, the, uh, the punishment or the discipline strategy of spanking. And this came up um, among, um, I was reading a, a post by the brother Torre, who wrote for the Grio, and he wrote this piece called Spanking is a Holdover from Slavery so stop hitting your kids. Um, he is, his opinion is that spanking is perceived as a black thing, but it's really a white European tradition that we adopted. And I wanted to have my brother, Brother Michael and Hotep, to give us some insight into this phenomenon of how we discipline children, um, especially using spanking. So let me bring my brother back into the, into the, the discussion. Here's, what, here's one of the things that uh, Torre said in his piece um, uh, when, when we're looking at the uh, the situation of spanking. I'm just going to pull this up here very quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. He shared with us, Brother Michael, this. Take a hey, Kina, let's put the first quote up on the on the screen. The general social survey in 2021 found that 37 percent of Americans support spanking, including 43 percent of Republicans 
and 30% of Democrats. Among working class people, 43% are pro-spanking, while 34% of middle class people are. And 43% of black people support spanking, while only 36% of what of white people do. Now, as he's having this conversation, Brother Michael, you know, talking about this, um, he is he's made the point that now a lot of people will say this, I got spanked and I turned out fine. And I've, we heard that from black folks. He said, right. well, I want our kids to turn out a lot better than fine. My bar is higher than that, but also you'll never know how much better you will be if you had not been spanked. You'll never know how much more self-esteem you would have had without that trauma in your past. Yes, I call getting beaten by someone who is far bigger someone you love and rely on for everything traumatic i know it was to me mm. yeah uh so to ray uh generally speaking is correct and and also in the article dr stacy Patton is quoted the reason wow. why so many african-americans say that they were spanked is because prior to 1910 and prior to the Great Migration, the Great Migration basically starts in 1915, 90% of African-Americans lived in the South, basically as a result of slavery. So during slavery, we were beaten. We were beaten by slave owners, slave uh, overseers, et cetera. Our children were beaten. And that behavior continued after slavery, okay? So when you look at, for instance, I just posted an article here in the chat, and this is something I covered uh, some years ago on the African History Network show. We look at this article here from uh, July 23rd, 2014 from CNN.com, spanking the gray matter out of our kids, spanking the gray matter out of our kids. And it talks about how um, science tells, uh, researchers say physical punishment actually alters the brain, not only in an I'm traumatized kind of way, but also in an I literally have less brain, uh, brain matter, gray brain matter in my brain. Uh, exposing children to harsh corporal punishment may have detrimental effects on trajectories of brain development. Uh, one 2009 study concluded. Now there's more information that's come out since 2013, 2014, but there, there but there's studies that deal with this. Uh, ScienceDaily.com has an article from December 11th, 2013. I'll post the link here. Spanking children slows cognitive development and increases risk of criminal behavior, experts say. Okay, wow. so, so we have to understand that during the enslavement process, especially here in this country, African people were stripped of our, our normal, uh, our, our regular Afri our various African cultures. We were stripped of our folklore, our mores, our cultures, spiritual systems, names, largely history, things like this. We tried to recreate these African societies on the various slave plantations. At the same time, we're dealing with horrific conditions. OK. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of those behaviors that were learned on the plantation, the negative behaviors, we continued afterwards. OK. After slavery ended. Um, so, yeah, they're absolutely correct with this. Now, uh, they go, uh, Dr. Stacey Patton, and you have you, you want to go to screen quote three or you want me to yeah, go, let's go, let's go to quote three, brother? Yes, sir. Let's go to okay. quote three, Keenan. This is what from Dr. Stacey Patton, what she says about spanking. And I'm going to read that for us because it's just a little bit. She said African-Americans adopted the practice of beating children from white slave masters. Europeans brutalized their own children for thousands of years. Prior 
to crossing the Atlantic to the New World and colonizing Africa. Historians and anthropologists have found no evidence that ritualistic forms of physical discipline of children existed in pre-colonial West African societies prior to the Atlantic slave trade. West African societies held children in a much higher regard than slave mm -hmm. societies in the Atlantic world, which placed emphasis on black bodies as property, not as human beings. West Africans believed that children came from the afterlife, that they were gods or reincarnated ancestors. Wow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the, the ancestors, you know, Dr. Marie, Dr. Marine Baani talks about this in the circle. Let the circle be unbroken that the uh, children, those are the uh, spirits of the ancestors coming back uh, to fulfill a purpose. That's the spirit of uh, uh, ancestor reborn. Uh, one of my teachers, Professor James Small, talks about how we are God having a human experience. This is understanding African cosmology. Uh, we're God having a human experience. Uh, so, yeah, Dr. Stacey Patton is correct. Now, there may be uh, so uh, corporal punishment or spanking was not something that was traditional in uh, traditional West African societies, or basically traditional African societies and generally speaking. Now, you may have extreme circumstances where something like that may have happened, but that was not something routine. That was not a routine uh, uh, form of, of disciplining uh, uh, somebody. But once again, we're coming from societies where you know, the the the, um, the concept, it takes a village is not just a title of a book by Hillary Clinton. That was a way of life for us. OK, mm. so so you dealing you're dealing with a different whole concept of being. But, yes, yeah, she she uh, hit the nail on the head. We need to do more research uh, uh, on, on this uh, also. And you know what, my man, uh, Willie Frazier, one of our culture crew members, he said the Bible says, spare the rod, spoil the child. How is that European? Also, if you don't beat your child, the police will. Uh, the brief pain of discipline can save the long pain of European punishment. Which and, 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 and black, black people are beating their children and they're still getting beaten by police. That's not stopping, that's not stopping the police from beating them. That, that's not stopping them from being killed by the police. The, uh, uh, Trayvon, uh, 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 you have uh, in uh, Cleveland, uh, Tamir Rice, you have, uh, we can go and look at numerous examples. Just so, so we have examples of African Americans just because you were beaten by uh, uh, your parents or spanked by your parents, even if you needed it, that doesn't stop the police from unjustly killing you. We're making a false equivalency. We're making a false equivalency here when we do that. And that's, that's something that's very dangerous because then you're giving po white police officers an excuse for unjustly beating African Americans to say, oh, well, your parents, your parents didn't beat you, so I'm going to beat you. No, that's giving white police officers an, an unjust excuse to unjustly kill unarmed African-Americans. And it could have been it could have been a situation where that child was disciplined by uh, 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 th their parents. OK, you, 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 you're you're given. So let me give you an example with. Uh, um, uh, it just happened in what what uh, state was that? With a five was that uh, not Tennessee, uh, Kentucky. Kentucky. Okay, yeah. in Kentucky, the five black police officers. Okay, did they beat the brother because he wasn't spanked by his parents? Oh no, no, you talking about you talking about with um um with oh, yeah the five black pieces that was in uh, Memphis. Yeah, in Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Yeah, that was in Memphis. Okay, yeah. without the king was assassinated. Right, right. Memphis without the king was assassinated. Right. Okay, so. We're trying to we're trying to give 
white police officers or police officers in general another excuse to justify them doing the wrong thing, justify them taking uh, law, the law into their own hands. No, don't don't don't, don't buy into that. That's nonsense. WFDF. Um, so we'll rebroadcast this also. So check that out. Uh, remember, right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. Talk to you next week. Peace. Very quickly here. We'll be here for a couple more minutes. Um, if we look at the. Uh, there's an article that I mentioned from uh, CNN uh, that deals with spanking the gray matter. Um, where is this? Hold on. Let me pull this up from CNN. Uh, this is an article from July 23rd, 2014. July 23rd, 2014. Called Spanking the Gray Matter Out of Kids. Let's go to this article here. Spanking the gray matter uh, out of kids, G-R-A-Y. And in, in, in the article, it says, let me see, is this something in the CNN article that's playing? It's one of these... It's one of these articles, something that's, oh, this one right here from uh, News One. I hate these damn articles from News One. They keep having music that starts playing. That is annoying. Um, let me see this here. Spanking the gray matter out of, out of our kids. And in the article, it says, um, how to discipline the next generation is a hotly debated topic in the 2012 national survey in 2012 a national survey showed more than half of women and three quarters of men in the united states believe a child sometimes needs a good hard spanking uh science tells a different story science tells a different story researchers say physical punishment actually alters the brain not only in an quote, I'm traumatized, end quote, kind of way, but also in a, quote, I literally have less gray matter in my brain, end quote, kind of way. Exposing children to harsh corporal punishment, HCP, may have detrimental effects on trajectories of brain development, one 2009 study concluded. Harsh corporal punishment in the study was defined as at least one spanking a month for more than three years, at least one spanking a month for more than three years, frequently, frequently done with objects such as a belt or a paddle. Researchers found children who were regularly spanked had less gray matter in certain areas of the prefrontal cortex, prefrontal cortex that have been linked to depression, addiction, and other mental health disorders, the study authors say. The researchers also found, quote unquote, significant correlations between the amount of gray matter in these brain regions and the children's performance on an IQ test. Now, several other studies support these findings. A 2010 study published in pediatrics found found that frequent 
which is more than twice in the previous month, frequent, more than twice in the previous month, spanking when a child was three years old was linked to an increased risk for higher levels of child aggression when the child was five years old. Another uh, study from the Journal of Aggression, Maltreatment and Trauma found that corporal punishment doled out from the mother was independently related to a decrease in cognitive ability relative to other children. Corporal punishment had the largest effect on children ages five to nine. Behind uh, all the science, behind all this science speak is the sobering fact that corporal punishment is damaging to children. The gray matter we've been spanking out of them it, the gray matter is key to the brain's ability to learn self-control. Gray matter is key to the brain's ability to learn self-control. Now, uh, authors of a 2011 study that appeared in the Journal of Cognitive Neuroscience said, quote, the more gray matter you have in the decision-making, thought processing part of your brain, which is the prefrontal cortex, the better, your the better your ability to evaluate rewards and consequences, the better your ability to, re to evaluate rewards and consequences. The sad irony is that the more you physically punish your kids for their lack of self-control, the less self-control they have. The more you physically punish your kids for their lack of self-control, the less they have. They learn how to be controlled by external forces, parents, teachers, bosses, managers, etc. But when the boss isn't looking, then what? Okay, read the rest of this article here. Now, there's a study at the uh, American Psychological Association's website, uh, APA.org, okay? This is, uh, they have an article here by Dr. Stacy Patton, who was quoted by Teray in his piece for thegrio.com. Uh, the name of this article here, this is from April 2017, Corporal Punishment in Black Communities, Not an Intrinsic Cultural Tradition, but Racial Trauma. Not an Intrinsic Cultural Tradition, but Racial Trauma insights into the historical roots of African parenting. This is by uh, Dr. Stacy Patton. And it says a 2015 Pew Research Survey found that uh, black parents, African-American parents, are more than twice as likely as white and Latino parents to use corporal punishment on a regular basis uh, and they are far less likely to never spank their children. And they are far less likely to never spank their children, African-American parents. But while hitting children is prevalent in the in African-American communities, contrary to popular, popular belief, it is not an intrinsic cultural tradition. It is not an intrinsic cultural tradition. African-American parents have legitimate fears about the safety of their children and the overwhelming majority 
uh, believe physical discipline is necessary to keep black children out of the streets, out of prison, or out of, poli out of police officers' sight. And far too many parents argue that whooping children is a distinctly black tradition. This belief, however, this belief, however heartfelt, is wrong. When we look at adverse impact, African-American children are more likely to be assaulted, seriously injured, or killed by a family member than by the police or a neighborhood watchman. African-American children are more likely to be assaulted, seriously injured, or killed by a family member than they are by a police officer or a watchman. This is a reference to uh, punk-ass George Zimmerman. Okay, that's what that's what that's when they that's what they mean when they say watchmen. Now, yearly statistics consistently show that African American children are mistreated and killed at significantly higher rates than white and Latino children. Ample scientific evidence demonstrates the long-term damage resulting from physical punishment, even without marks or other serious physical injuries. Black parents who hit their children not only risk drawing the attention of Child Protective Services, who are overrepresented in communities of color, but also having their children placed in foster care, which is a pipeline to the juvenile justice system, and similar adverse paths that disproportionately impact black youth. Indeed, African-American children stay in foster care longer and often receive uh, adequate therapeutic and, and often don't receive adequate therapeutic services. Now the goal for African-American parents to protect care and love for black children should not inadvertently facilitate the flow of young people through racist systems, but rather support healthy development and success and success uh, later in life. Experts in child development and parenting practice, practices affirm no solid science suggests that hitting children to any extent and regardless of race or ethnic background is beneficial for them in society. Experts in child development and parenting practices affirm no solid science suggests that hitting children to any extent and regardless of race or ethnic background is beneficial for them or society. While many black parents hit to keep their kids from quote unquote turning out bad, it is clearly not working because black children disproportionately suffer negative outcomes in educational achievement, juvenile arrest, and foster care placements. This type of family violence might actually be contributing to the negative outcomes that parents and caretakers were seeking to avoid. Then it gets into historical roots of corporal punishment in black communities. Now, psychologists could lead 
in educating communities of color about the connection between corporal punishment and the racial disparities connected to the practice. But first, the profession can benefit from a better understanding of the historical roots of corporal punishment in African-American communities. African-Americans adopted the practice of beating children from white slave masters. And Dr. Stacy Patton wrote about this in 2017. Europeans brutalized their own children for thousands of years prior to crossing the Atlantic to the New World and colonizing Africa. Historians and anthropologists have found no evidence that ritualistic forms of physical discipline of children existed in pre-colonial West African societies prior to the Atlantic slave trade. West African societies held children in a much higher regard than slave societies in the Atlantic world, which placed emphasis on black bodies as property, not as human beings. West Africans believed that uh, children came from the afterlife, that they were gods or reincarnated ancestors who led profoundly spiritual lives and held extraordinary mystical powers that could be harnessed through ritual practice for the good of the community. In fact, it was believed that coercion and hitting a child could scare off their soul. Indigenous people of North America held similar beliefs. They're talking about Native Americans, indigenous people of North America. As colonization, slavery, and genocidal violence made life harsher for these groups, parenting practices also grew harsher. Also, don't forget the white man's Christianity was forced upon him, but forced upon us as well. The white man's Christianity was forced upon us and we were taught to see reality through the eyes of Europeans. Don't forget that part, okay? Whooping children is not a cultural practice that Africans brought with them to this continent. Historians estimate that about 12.5 million Africans were shipped to the New World before 1865 and about one quarter of the captives who crossed the Atlantic were children. Defined as uh, anyone shorter than four feet, four inches. Defined as any children. Defined as anyone shorter than four feet, four inches. inches. The average age of captives was between 15 and 20 years at the beginning of the 19th century, but dropped to between 9 and 12 years uh, when abolition of the slave trade was imminent. So they're talking about, if they're talking about the international slave trade, they're talking about 1807, 1808 when it was abolished. Okay, so uh, the average age of captives was between 15 and 20 years at the beginning of the 19th century, the beginning of the 1800s, but dropped to between 9 and 12 uh, years old when abolition of the slave trade was imminent. Okay, read the rest of this article because we're way over time here. Uh, April 2017, uh, the association, the uh, APA, American Psychological Association website, uh, corporal punishment in black communities, not an intrinsic cultural tradition, but racial trauma. This is by Dr. Stacy Patton, PhD. Check this out uh, and watch the rest of that uh, 
segment from Faraji Muhammad show. That's from April 11th. And we have that. Well, actually, uh, I edited that segment. So we have it on our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. All right. Uh, be sure to visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com, theafricanhistorynetwork.com. Please register for these online history classes that I teach. It takes a lot of work to teach these classes every weekend. And uh, it costs us money to actually pay. We have, we have to pay to teach these classes on the two digital platforms that we use, Crowdcast and Learn World. Okay, so we have the classes greatly discounted. You're not going to find this type of value other places. On Saturdays, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We did a free class session Saturday, uh, May 6, 2023. Click right here to register for the free class session. Click here to register for the full 12-week online course. And this time around, we're going to do 13, 14 weeks. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them many times. So even after the 12-week online course is over with, you still have full access. That doesn't expire. You can go watch as many times as you want to. Sundays, I teach black resistance movements from the Haitian Revolution, U.S. Civil War, Civil Rights Movement, and Black Power Movement, 1800 to 1968. That class is on sale $40, regularly uh, $130. Okay, fantastic value. And between the two classes, we reference about 180 articles. Uh, there's seven, eight books that we reference. Uh, there's close to is probably, probably about 250 slides um, that we use between the two classes. So it's a uh, uh, fantastic uh, class. We've gotten a lot of positive feedback on it. People learn so much in them. I put together both curriculums and you can use this information with your children also. I would say the content is PG-13. It's not overly graphic or anything like that. I don't do a lot of cursing, et cetera, okay? Uh, so visit our website, theafricanhistorynetwork.com and uh, we'll post a link here on the thread of the broadcast also. Uh, remember, you can support the African History Network dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App and through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting our Sunday night show, pay some of the bills, uh, et cetera. All right, we have to get out of here. Remember, right now is correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. Uh, and we'll talk to you next week. Peace.